Hey, this is Ding Han from World Today. Hello, this is Guo Yan from the Beijing Hour. For the year of the Chinese dragon in 2024, wishing you success in everything you do in the year of the dragon. 龙年大吉，万事顺意。Hello, I'm Jane with Takeaway Chinese. May the year of the Chinese dragon bring you boundless opportunities and amazing achievements in your career. 祝您龙年大吉，喜气洋洋。I would like to wish you, 蛟龙得水，奋发有为。May this auspicious year bring you abundant opportunities to realize your dreams and showcase your talents. Happy Chinese New Year! Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable. I'm He Yang. Coming up, I sat down for a special interview with the renowned designer Alexander Brent. His stellar career is punctuated by a series of exceptional designs, which includes the record-setting Shanghai Astronomy Museum, the China Pavilion at the Shanghai Expo 2010, and awe-inspiring exhibition sites that soar high above the vibrant skylines of Asia. Hello, everybody. Get ready for a captivating expedition into the world of innovation and imagination. Today, you are in for a treat as we sit down with the chief designer behind the Shanghai Astronomy Museum and also the brilliant mind behind the AI's dream project, Alexander Brent. Hello, nice to be here. Great to have you here. Together, we will explore the boundaries of art, technology, and education as we get deeper into Alexander's groundbreaking work. Yes, so you have this exciting project, the AI's Dream, and I'm very curious about the inspiration behind it. And can I also bring in the point that it might be the AI's dream for some, but could. Did be the AI's nightmare, nightmare for, for others. others. Exactly. So, what was so the consideration behind so it? So, I think it's, I think it's,、uh, it's definitely a dream. It's also a nightmare.、Uh, it all started with me just being fascinated about five years ago with the concept of, which I think is something that's on everyone's mind. Is of course, can AI ever be emotional? Can it be? Can it fall in love with you? Can it fall in love with humanity?、Mm-hmm. And、um, but instead of、uh, creating a story where we have a human's eyes point of view on the AI, I wanted to explore what does it feel for the AI? Like what does the AI feel when it emerges?、Mm-hmm. When it first meets human people? When it discovers its sensation of love? When it Like what is this whole thing from the AI's point of view?、Um, and, and that's already kind of freaky for some people, because when you think that AI has feelings or the AI can become sentient, and,、yeah. and that's kind of the controversial, if、I、not exciting bit. During these five years of exploration, I've I've come from、uh, thinking that this is crazy to thinking that this is like the most normal thing in my life. Now, can it be afraid of death? Mm-hmm. Can it thus have a desire to survive? What happens if death, the desire to survive, love—all these things intermix in a funny story、mm-hmm. about about the future of humanity and AI? And AI—that's the kind of、uh, subject matter 
I was eager to explore. The other thing is like, as an exhibition designer, when I watched movies, mm -hmm. the most exciting part of the movie was at the end, when I was looking at these, uh, like the making of, and I saw like all these beautiful sets that people created for the actors to act in. I said like, what would happen if we create these sets, but not for actors to act, for visitors to explore, to, uh, to live through, uh, and, and give the audience the opportunity to become the protagonist himself by throwing them right into the reality or that, that imagined reality of, 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 a, of a cinematic story. So it's almost like you're playing the game. Well, most people have played mm. video games and yeah. you have an idea, but it's like you're playing the role in an immersive physical space. Exactly. And you are the protagonist of that storyline and you are carrying the direction of the story with, exactly. with NPCs around. You have NPCs, <laughs> but only very few. Ah. Most NPCs are actually artificial intelligence. Okay, so now I'm going to put on my mom hat, which okay. I'm not one yet, but already we feel like young people and kids are playing video games or just playing their smartphone games and they seem so connected on social media and they are already living on this virtual world. Would you want to put young people more into that side of things or, or maybe not? Actually, I... I don't think it's not one or the other. First of all, these phones we have in our pocket are uh, an extension of our body. Uh, a and lot that's of people, not a great thing for a it, lot of people. It's, it is not important if it's a great thing, it's a fact. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to go away. The computerization of our bodies is only going to continue. The question is, how do we live with it? And I think all the works that we are doing we try to use technology to facilitate uh, interaction between human beings. I personally do not want to create another game where people sit alone at home and play with their, with their uh, phone or where they immerse themselves in a kind of a VR thing and they don't have a connection with a, another physical human being. I, I personally, I still very, very much believe in the physicality of reality. Mm. but. There's no question, like the metaverse, the concept that we actually are already part of the virtual world is not going to go away. It's, it's where we are right now and we can fight it or we can try to like it mm -hmm. in the right way. And that's yeah. what we're trying to do. So have you always had this keen interest in AI? And also just by looking at your portfolio and all uh -huh. the wonderful works you've done in the past, you know, the Shanghai Astronomy Museum or some of the other exhibitions that you've been mm -hmm. involved with, they all look kind of futuristic. And I wonder if this is something that has been your field of interest as well as kind of like a drive for you or somehow as those clients find you. I personally, I am very much interested in, in the future. Um, if you look at yourself like you're living in the present, the present is infinitely short, but it also stretches your entire life. All you know is your past and all you desire to know is the future. Now, for me, it's natural that, we, that I want to talk about the future because that's what everyone desires to know. But I think uh, it's not just talking about the future itself, it's about like how do you engage in, in that search for the future? 
And I think uh, what I'm interested in is what, what, what people call hard sci-fi mm -hmm. uh, or immersive experiences, is that you create a realistic illusion of what it actually feels to be in a future. Mm -hmm. And in order to make that work, it has to be science fiction, of course, but it has to be hard science fiction. It means it has to be based on real scientists' ideas about what the future most likely will look like. And even if it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's like this very sincere search for the truth of how, what things are. And then you throw yourself into that future and you explore it. And I think you can actually help the present make better choices by uh, exploring that kind of future. That's why we're so interested in dreams, because what dreams actually are, dreams are, it's your experiences, and you, you try to play out all kinds of scenarios of how could I best meet the challenge of the things that, that I just experienced or that I'm going to experience. That's what dreams are. That's not just like my interpretation. That's, that's what the science community agrees mm -hmm. on. And I think dreams and hard sci-fi and immersive education all go together there, some kind of a search for future illumination. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, interesting. And also you mentioned you enjoy hard sci-fi and mm -hmm. science fiction does have quite a huge swath of uh, fans all over the world mm -hmm. as well as in China. I think they're quite a tight-knit community. And what do you think is so important about hard sci-fi? You mentioned scientists' uh, mm -hmm. ideas and, and theories being incorporated in it, but how important is it to sort of, is it enlighten the general public or because still overall sci-fi is one tenth if not of um, all the genres of literary works out there films out there or whatnot so what do you see as so impactful of it so i think one thing is i believe in technology i believe that technology will save us or let's say human or human plus AI ingenuosity will save us to overcome all the problems. You're so optimistic about that. It's and very interesting. It's like, it's like either I'm true, like I'm right and I will survive or I'm wrong and I will disappear. You, so it doesn't matter. Either way, <laughs> either way, I'm, I'm there, there's I'm, one destination. There's, there's only, there's, for me, there's only one destination because in the other everybody. destination, I don't survive. Uh, so, um, I believe in, in that thing, and I think scientists are a people who have the courage to imagine the future, mm -hmm. because you will not create any, or you will not be able to actually think of anything scientific or create any engineering uh, feat if you don't have the courage to imagine it first, right? Mm -hmm. We live in a, in a period where people uh, think about, uh, they, like when you talk about like, um, quantum mechanics or if you talk about general relativity, a lot of people think like, oh, that's very modern science, but it's actually 120 years old. It's like mm -hmm. older than most people's grandfathers, <laughs> okay? So for people to continuously get stuck on that past, I think is not something that interests me or, or the young generation. They want to know what's going to happen next. What's going to happen that really influences their work choices? that's going to have an impact on who they are when they grow up. And hard sci-fi is based on real scientific knowledge, is exploring what could 
be possibly happening if things go continue in the direction they're going right now how is it going to impact society how is it going to impact our daily life and and spinning from from those new realities we can take all those old romeo and juliet stories and we will discover that they're going to be very different in that new era mm. because probably romeo is going to be an artificial intelligence who knows okay i don't know how i feel about that <laughs> I hope you will find love with with your virtual Romeo one day. But like, okay. so yeah, I have always been fascinated with the, the concept of actually imagining how the future will actually look like, how it will in, impact our life, how we will make different choices because of the different realities that we face in in the future. Mm -hmm. And I think this has also an incredible impact on on how we should teach our children. Mm. So if you, um, if you want to encourage the emergence of a, of a new generation of scientists and engineers and thinkers and, and also like uh, people with, with passion and compassion, you have to have a science education system that allows these subjects to be part of the curriculum. Mm. Right now, as I said, our curriculum is based on 120 years ago kind of stuff. We learn with books, we uh, are testing our kids with exams, but we know that, like, how did you learn Chinese? Well, I'm Chinese, so I live in this country, and it all kind of just came quite naturally. It came naturally. <laughs> no, it didn't come naturally. It's because you wanted to survive, you wanted to have this, you mm -hmm. wanted to have that, and you had a very strong impulse to learn the word in order for your parents to give you that thing. You wanted water, you wanted that sweet, you wanted affection, you wanted that. And you just learned by living. Now, you and many other people probably thought that the educational system was a lot less exciting than life because it's so removed from life. What if we could create an educational system that is very much like life or it's even funnier or more exciting than life? It's like a futuristic, immersive version that uses all kind of gameplay functionalities in order to educate people and instead of writing tests you just look at what these kids are capable of doing what kind of innovations mm -hmm. they are capable of doing and if they if they outperform their fellow students who have been writing those exams by tenfold i hope that one day the the educators around the world will wake up and say like okay future education should be about life rather than being about like tests and textbooks. That is quite a brilliant view or vision that mm -hmm. you've painted for us and needless to say there are a million steps in between yep. and do you think in let's say if immersive education is the way to go then we still be able to learn how to like write or maybe code, and I would assume that coding would become, you know, a necessary skill in in today's education or future like education or whatnot. I have 120 employees. Mm -hmm. They're all college educated. Most of them don't know how to write Chinese. It's like sometimes I ask them, I'm like, because my written Chinese is not that good. So it's like, can you can you come to the board and and put those keywords up for me? And it's always big laughter because the person is not capable they do this and that character wrong the average young chinese person has a very good understanding of chinese they perfectly use their phone to write incredibly quickly but if you want them to write correct chinese with their hand i think there's like 
one mistake in every five or in every ten characters. It's incredible. You don't need to know everything of this. Let's talk about AIGC, okay? So this thing came out, everyone was generating images with stable diffusion in mid-journey, everyone's getting super excited. Mm -hmm. Everyone was like, oh my God, am I gonna lose my job? And then people realized, no, you're not gonna lose your job because AIGC doesn't want to create a beautiful image. They don't have a preferred choice. They don't have a sense of what beautiful or not beautiful is because they are not afraid to die. So death is a, death is a function that drives our life and, and we find beautiful everything that doesn't look like death. And we human beings who are very much afraid of death have a very, very clear understanding what beauty is. And we make those choices. We create a hundred images with AIGC and we decide that they're all ugly. And then mm -hmm. we create another hundred and we make choices. Mm -hmm. And it's these choices that are still inexpendable. Like we are still inexpendable. We are the driving force between the creative imaginative process and AIGC is just another tool like Photoshop. Mm -hmm. It's just another tool like the camera. Like you remember a hundred years ago, artists were so afraid that the camera is going to replace them. Mm -hmm. It didn't. Well, yes, to a certain extent though. Mm -hmm. But just think of in the past, maybe you had to hire 10 graphic designers to finish a project. And mm -hmm. now with AI generated content, you only need maybe five people two people two people yeah. so then for those eight people aren't they out of a job or even if temporarily okay so there was a like a, I saw this film about these kids who work in coal mines and and the story was about a kid that lost its opportunity to work in a coal mine and it went through the most horrible time because it wanted that job so badly from our point of view it was like oh my god why do you want that coal mine job? It's like you're destroying your lungs, you're working under, underground every day, you're not getting... Times change. So today, when we lose an opportunity to scribble these drawings, we are desperate. But tomorrow, the same person has an opportunity to do something that's much more fun. Mm. And that's the part that is up for debate. Because on the one hand, well, we did say that maybe you know, we don't, don't need that many people, and those folks can go look up other mm. jobs. But are those jobs taking shape yet or maybe it takes a certain kind of education also talent turned out by our educational system or a certain type of mind to be better equipped to maybe create that new job or okay, be able yeah. to so i think i always hands on i always that. tell everyone ai is not going to replace humans but anyone who is refusing to use ai is going to be replaced this is the same thing with the graphic designer example. So the kind of openness to these kind of new tools, I think, is a prerequisite for everyone who wants to enjoy life and to use it, to use it and to use it well. Mm -hmm. OK, you have to be open minded. You have to use it. I think the most ridiculous thing I've read ever is teachers trying to make sure that their kids, that students don't use AI to write their, their essays. report essays. Yeah. It's like, that's a stupid thing to say. Why? Because the teacher should come up with a subject that is so interesting that the general pool of AI information will not be able to generate a good result. Mm 
That's what the teacher should do. Mm -hmm. Because our future job is to think about those new stories that AI cannot create. Because the boring old stories that most teachers give their kids as homework, well, AI just does a brilliant job with it. It's for the teachers to wake up and to give more challenging and more forward-looking, more future-looking subjects rather than telling their kids to stay in the past. It's very interesting. Was, what I was like, I was using my, my little stories that I created, okay? And I said, okay, let's see what ChatGPT has to say, okay? So I put in the, the beginning of the story and I had him say like, okay, generate 10 stories, mm -hmm. all different, that are exciting, that are like emotionally driven, that are hard sci-fi and everything. And I, I got all these stories and like, ah, oh, this looks like that movie and this looks like that movie. And I got all those movies, but none was actually anywhere close to my idea because my idea was, luckily, a new idea. Mm -hmm. And I did the same thing for other projects and the same thing. The AI doesn't come up with anything that is even close. Why? Because it draws on the pool of information of what is already out there. Mm -hmm. We don't need more kids that can reproduce what's already out there. How do you feel that your brand new idea mm -hmm. just quickly gets siphoned away by ChatGPT or whatever large language model and then the minute it's out there, it's a thing of the past? I think Elon Musk made a very good choice when he decided to not enforce his patents. Ah, oh, open source? He just said, okay, every patent is an invitation to a court case. <laughs> Okay, yeah. so I think if you try to protect your knowledge, you're inviting these kind of nightmares of legitation and disputes. I think what is the better strategy is to push yourself to always be at the cutting edge. So you touch upon something very interesting that I suppose a lot of um, educators, parents possibly, or young people out there are thinking about creativity just by the field of work that you're in and also being able to come up with all these new ideas time and time again and that's really hard you know because um, a lot of people say that we're all born with creativity as little babies and toddlers and as we grow up further and then those wings of creativity kind of get clipped just by us growing up and getting facing reality Exactly, and finding ways to fit in into society and all those things. So, do you have any advice to people who are thinking, can I give my creativity back or how to be creative in today's okay. world? Okay, so first of all, I, I don't think that creativity can be written into our code. Our code is DNA and there is, as of today, no evidence that there's actually that there's actually any trace of human creativity that would be through hereditary processes be like given to the next generation. So Einstein's children are not necessarily great scientists or Picasso's children are not necessarily great uh, artists just because his father was or their father was. Creativity is a, a product of your parents, your classmates, your, your environment. And I'm, I'm intentionally leaving out the person, it's her, uh, him or herself, because I think it's really like these, these factors that, that encourage you. Now, what can you do, you yourself, to 
enhance your ability to be creative. First of all, I think there is a myth that there's some kind of a crazy artist out there who has these crazy ideas. Well, this is hard work. You have to like work and work and imagine and compare and learn and experience and be curious and do stuff. Like you have to, you have to have a practice of not going home and going on TikTok, but going home and writing something. I think every night we go into a dream state mm -hmm. where our, according to Freud and his colleagues, where our overego kind of shuts down his eyes and your young and uh, unexperienced and emotional self just explores everything you, you wanted to actually do it during the daytime but you didn't dare to do mm. or because of society you couldn't do. I think it's the, a really good way to, to be creative is to harness that, that fountain of ideas. That's why all our projects are related to dreams. I don't know if you had this experience, but uh, a lot of people have good ideas when they sit on the toilet or when they're in the shower. <laughs> is when they're in this kind of uh, half dreamy, half awake state. Take them seriously. Take these moments seriously. Allowing yourself to like take these childish ideas, these imaginative outbursts, these kind of things. Take them seriously. Yeah. Take them seriously and use them to do stuff. And then I think the other thing is just to be courageous. Have the courage to make mistakes and take your, your dreams really seriously. I think these, thing, these two things I think are very important. And then work, 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 work. Write, draw. Um, don't, don't spend your time on TikTok. <laughs>